Hello and welcome to the Armenian News Network Grung. I'm Hovik Manucharyan. This Conversations on Grung episode will feature a discussion on the continued attempts by the Azerbaijani regime to ethnically cleanse the Republic of Artsakh of its indigenous Armenian population. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, December 14, 2022. We're talking with Geb Iskajan, representative of ANC in Artsakh. Uh, hello, Geb. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, all circumstances in mine. I'm doing well, Hovik John. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Give. So we're now entering the third day of a, basically a complete transportation blockade of Artsakh. Uh, and this is the second day of an energy blockade as well. Can you uh, brief us about the current humanitarian situation on the ground or the, you know what you're seeing there? Yeah. So uh, 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 this is the third day now where uh, Azerbaijani state-sponsored provocateurs have uh, more or less uh, blockaded the entirety of Artsakh uh, effectively by closing off the only transportation route that we have in and out of the country. Uh, Now, with that comes a a few important things. That means that no food, supplies, medicine, or any of the basic necessities that a population needs to survive uh, are being let uh, through Artsakh. And uh, on the other side of it, nobody that needs emergency medical care, none of the economic trade that this country needs to you know, uh, survive, uh, to maintain jobs and all those things, uh, are going out of the country. Um, so there's a really dire and, and serious situation going on. Um, and I think that uh, all of that has been um, amplified even more so uh, by the fact that in the last, you know, 24 hours or so, they have uh, cut off the gas supply line here. Now, if there's folks listening in from the diaspora, uh, it's very cold. It was about three degrees Celsius, you know, just yesterday. Um, so the people, uh, uh, many of them, tens of thousands, rely on gas for heating, for food, for uh, a multitude of reasons. So right now we're, we're facing a real crisis in real time um on on multiple fronts yeah i read somewhere that there's even now uh, food rationing what can you tell us about that yeah so all the supplies whether it's medicine whether it's food uh whether it's even you know like propane tanks and, and other necessities that we have in the country are finite right now because there's nothing coming in right um so everyone is very uh aware they're very cognizant of that fact and everything is being rationed beyond just food even uh you know, we'll see uh, much less drivers on the street because there's no gasoline coming in. Um, so this uh, affects and per, uh, permeates through uh, all layers of society here. And it's a really, really serious issue right now. And as I understand it, also schools are closed because of uh, lack of, you know, heating uh, capabilities. Is that correct? Yeah, due to the fact that, it, that it's wintertime and we can't, uh, you know, keep the kids uh, in schools that don't have, you know, uh, the proper ventilation, that don't have the uh, proper heating resources, uh, they are now barred essentially from an education. And we're talking about tens of thousands of kids uh, today that uh, are, in essence, denied an access to uh, outright education. Have you heard of any sort of political demands or goals from Azerbaijan? Not that I, you know, we should sort of entertain those, but uh, what is basically the reason why Azerbaijan has, uh, you know, decided to do this? 
So, so this is twofold. On the surface, they're making it seem like um, this is a quote-unquote environmentalist protest, but we're obviously aware of the fact that, that that's a lie. One, uh, right. the, the corridor that they're protesting in is a heavily militarized corridor. The Azerbaijani society that exists in terms of the political landscape doesn't allow for free democratic protests. So anything that happens in terms of a protest on this scale where you have, uh, I believe there are pictures that came out with like Azerbaijani policemen uh, on top uh, that are essentially guarding these provocateurs. Um, anything that you have on that level is outright state sanctioned. Um, so under the guise of environmentalism, they want to check out some mines or, or whatnot. And, and the interesting part is that they've been building mines along the occupied territories post-war, uh, which they right. don't seem to care about, and yet they have this like vested interest in the uh, you know a few mines that exist in Artsakh. Uh, they want access to them, and that's absolutely a, a non-starter for us. Um, but beneath that, uh, under all of that, there's obviously... I wouldn't, Hovik John, I, I don't know if I would categorize it as demands uh, more than a systematic effort, methodically done so, to uh, basically roll out this process of ethnic cleansing. Their, their ultimate goal is to make it very difficult for the populace here to survive. Their ultimate goal is to break the will of the people that live here, to cause fear, to ca cause uncertainty, uh, and to eventually see. Uh, the, this territory of Artsakh, uh, rid of all Armenians, uh, of the entire Armenian populace. So uh, their ultimate goal is to see an Artsakh without Armenians in it. And this is one of their methods uh, in doing so. That is what they want. Uh, the demands and negotiations and all that stuff aside, uh, we have to keep in mind that uh, they have an ultimate goal and it's uh, fully vested and based in the ethnic cleansing of Artsakh. And uh, as far as I'm aware, so far the EU spokesperson has um, called on Azerbaijan to uh, seize uh, the blockade. The United States has issued a similar statement. And just today, I believe we read in the Russian Peacekeepers Daily Report uh, directly sort of blaming the Azerbaijani side for uh, for the blockade. Uh, however, other organizations, uh, you know, I'm thinking specifically like the United Nations, have been silent. Overall. What do you think about the, the quality? I mean, what do you think about the quantity, like, you know, basically the overall responses to this and, and also the quality of the responses? Look, the, the condemnation as a starter is okay. Like, uh, the, and I'm not saying it's okay in that we're satisfied. I'm comparing it with what we've seen in the past where uh, we have human rights abuses here and they use this both sides as some language. Um, following this blockade, as you mentioned, both uh, Ned Price from the U.S. State Department, uh, the special envoy from the EU, uh, and some other foreign diplomats and world powers at be uh, have put out statements uh, condemning, outright condemning Azerbaijan, saying that this is a human rights catastrophe. That is a good starter. However, uh, that does not produce much tangible results for us, obviously. What we want to see are punitive measures. So if Azerbaijan is going to blockade an entire uh, population of 120,000 people, we would hope 
that the repercussions of such an action are more than a tweet, are more than a statement, are more than a press release. Um, when at the same time Azerbaijan is doing this and the EU is buying up their gas reserves, uh, when they are looking to them as an energy partner, um, that it, it does not discourage them. In fact, it encourages them more because in, in their minds, uh, they can uh, subjugate this populace to terror. And the worst that they'll deal with is, you know, maybe a press release or two. So while, you know, it's a good starter, uh, nobody should be uh, satisfied with uh, what we have in store. Nobody should be satisfied until Azerbaijan feels the punitive repercussions of such actions. Okay, uh, turning inwards, I guess there's been criticism that Armenian society in general, both, I guess, in Armenia and diaspora, is uh, you know completely passive and it seems like there's a sense of helpless helplessness about the situation. Would you agree with this? And what would you uh, you know what is, what would be your call to Armenians worldwide about this uh, situation? I would say yes and no. I think uh, you know uh, the level of alarm, the level of concern, the level of engagement needs to be much higher. Absolutely, throughout Armenia and throughout the diaspora. At the same time, I can say that there are incredibly devoted, uh, caring, uh, engaged Armenians throughout the world, in Yerevan, in Hayastan, uh, wherever it may be, that are absolutely locked in in tune what's going on, asking how they can help in any regard, trying to find ways that they can be useful to and this blockade to uh, assist the people here. Uh, I think the larger issue is that since the war, uh, since uh, 2020, uh, we have an issue, whether that is on behalf of the current government in Armenia or the society at, at large, where there's this de defeatist mentality of like, whatever happens is beyond our control. And, and that's absolutely false. Um, we have agency in our nation as, as Armenians. We have agency what happens to the future of Artsakh. And that is not up to, uh, you know, any uh, UN envoy, any uh, Russian peacekeeping mission, any diplomatic statement. But that is up to and hinges upon, you know, uh, the, the will uh, of Armenians to, uh, you know, see that Artsakh is not ethnically cleansed. That is up to us to kind of reverse this defeatist mentality where every time something terrible happens, our only response can be uh, to ask the outside world to care or to help. Uh, this is our nation. Uh, Artsakh is our land. Every Armenian uh, plays a role in making sure that it remains so. Um, so I think we have to do and and I and I'm not sure if this is something that can be solved within you know uh, the timeline of of this current crisis. It might be something that takes years to redevelop, but uh, we do have to create this culture and this mentality that uh, we are the inheritors and we are the folks that will control what happens to our destiny. And I think that is that that speaks beyond this current situation. That that speaks to what's going on in Sunik. That speaks to. Uh, you know, uh, everything that Azeris and Turks are trying to do to subjugate and to pressure Armenia today. Um, completely agree. Um, all right. And lastly, uh, news reports uh, from Azerbaijan indicate that the provocateurs uh, will spend the night, uh, this night as well, on the corridor, uh, continuing their blockade. Are you aware of any indications that the blockade may cease anytime soon? I think the 
the uh, only way that uh, one, I, I think there's a certain sense of uncertainty, which is one of the, you know, layers of this catastrophe that you've got uh, over 100,000 people that necessarily don't know, like, you know, hardship is difficult enough to take. But when you don't know what tomorrow brings, it makes it a little harder, right? Right. Um, so I think that that we're all kind of on that same boat. And and to to predict with the uh, Azeris will do is not like a game I I'm necessarily you know or any of us are necessarily vested in playing. I think that the only way the only way that uh, this blockade ends is if there is uh, pressure, whether that's diplomatically, whether that's through sanctions, whether that's through punitive measures, whether that's through fear of repercussions on behalf of the Azerbaijani government. Uh, that is the only way the, this blockade will end. Um, and that's why we need everybody. We need our folks in the diaspora. We need our folks in uh, Armenia to be incredibly engaged with this, to help raise their voice and to urge whether it's our own government in Yerevan to take stronger stances, whether it's the agency that we have in nations across the world to lobby and, and to put pressure on Azerbaijan. Um, it is only through that collective work uh, that uh, I, I think that anything tangible will happen. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Kev. Any final uh, comments before we go? Uh Look, uh, wh whether this blockade ends or not, uh, this is going to be part of a systematic and uh, methodical attempt by Azerbaijan to put pressure on the populace here. And that is not something that's going to end. When they first blocked the road, if uh, the listeners are aware, about two weeks ago, many of us here on the ground that are kind of in tune with the situation off the bat said this is not the first time. Uh, this will not be the first time, and they will repeat doing this. And that is what they did. So my concern is that, look, if this blockade does end, and, and we hope that it does, don't think that Azerbaijan is going to stop uh, pressuring, stop uh, putting on hardships, stop coming, committing human rights abuses upon the people of Artsakh. And that's why we need everyone's engagement. Artsakh is still Armenian land. Artsakh is still an independent republic. Artsakh is not gone. Uh, we have to be rid of these defeatist mentalities and we have to hold on to what remains of this land here. Thank you. Thank you, Gev. And um, uh, I appreciate all that you do for uh, for us, for, for everyone in the diaspora and in Armenia. And uh, I hope you stay safe and strong. Thanks for having me on, Hovik. It's, it's incredibly vital that we have these conversations and that the folks are aware. And Grunk, yourself, uh, the whole team, you guys do a great job in that. So thank you guys, and, and I hope you guys, everyone you know, keeps in tune and stays engaged. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Take care. That concludes this week's conversation on Grunk. We look forward to your feedback, including your suggestions for conversation topics in the future. Contact us on our website at groong.org, that's G-R-O-O-N-G, or on our Facebook page, ann-groong, or in our Facebook group, groong-Armenian News Network. Special thanks to Lara Osborne for providing the music for our podcast. I'm Hovik Manacharyan, and on behalf of everyone in this episode, I wish you a good week. Thank you for listening, and talk to you soon.